Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast. This is the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock write-up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. Now here's Andrew with your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we are back. Focus Compounding Podcast. Andrew Kuhn, how is everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. Jeffrey Gannon, how's it going today? It's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. It's the fourth time I said that today. (laughs) It is going well, though. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you're not following me on Twitter... Go to your Twitter, follow me at Focused Compound. And if you're viewing this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and give us a thumbs up. Normally, I would say go check out the Focused Compounding Gazette, Mm -hmm. but we're actually going to talk about the Focused Compounding Gazette today. And that's FocusedCompoundingGazette.com. So be sure to go to that um, if you want to check out what we're going to be referencing. I think the first question is why did we create another website named Focused Compounding Gazette? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we could, I guess, go into the stocks that are on there. Yes. And kind of go from there. So why did we create Focus Compounding Gazette? Well, we take cre- this away, Jeff. We created it uh, to put up the free stuff. Yes. Exactly. So that's why. Yeah. Because we had free stuff and premium stuff on the website, which gets confusing. So this is free stuff. And it's one site where you get all the free stuff. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh, each post is typically 2,000 words. Yeah. So the posts are much longer than 2,000 words. They're all longer than 4,000 words. Yeah. But on the Gazette, you will get the two th- first 2,000 words of it because that's free. Yeah. And then the rest of it is on the uh, Focus Compounding Premium site. Yeah, but yeah. you can still learn a lot about the company from the first Well, 2,000 words is longer than probably most write-ups you see at Seeking Alpha or something like yeah, that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and they tend to be definitely um, more in-depth. But yeah, so it's free content. And then if you do sign up on the mailing list, what they'll do is every single week you'll get an email um, as well. And the goal is to have one new idea every single week. Yeah, I mean, the Focus Compounding Gazette is really the email yeah. that you get each week. The uh, We do put the stock write-ups on the website. So you can go to focuscompoundinggazette.com and you see them. But uh, you also get the 10 overlooked stocks to watch, and you get what's on Andrew's mind column um, in the email. Yeah. yeah, The best column there is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go over some of the companies that are on here. There's six that we currently have, or there's actually seven. seven yeah. uh, by the time that everyone is, is listening to this, it'll There'll probably be, be more. eight yeah, to nine. nine. Um, Farmer Mac, yes. a.k.a. Federal Agricultural Mortgage Corporation. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that company? I know the author of that uh, post. Huh? I said I know the author of that post. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Farmer Mac, that write-up was mine. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we talked about this business a little bit before, but uh, it's like the Freddie and Fanny of um, Farms and Ranches. I think something like that is the title on the Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's a cheap stock. It's trading at a pretty low PE, single-digit PE, and has a pretty high dividend yield, around 4% or something. Yeah, you said it has a PE below 9 and a return on equity above most banks. Yes, it should, I think, have return on equity of like um, easily 13 to 17% teens, mm-hmm. you know, 13 to 19% a year, something like that, um, all the time. So a, a teen return on equity. And uh, so, yeah, if you think about that, if it grows at a fairly, um, you know, if it grows 10% a year or something, it could probably manage its dividend. And if it grows less than that, then it would have to pay out more in dividends or something. Mm-hmm. I think its payout ratio now is um, uh, 50%. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Why do you think it's a good business? Oh, well, it's a great business because it's a government-sponsored uh, enterprise mm-hmm. like um, Fannie and Freddie to um, have – I mean, we talked about it in the write-up about how, like, um, 
it has much lower expenses. So uh, banks and things like that, I think the the explanation I gave or the comparison I gave was that if you take all of the operating expenses, so the non-interest expenses that PharmaMac has, um, and divide it by the amount of, of assets that it has, which are these bonds, um, that would be... Uh, it would be less than what most banks pay just on rent. So the the idea is that it's difficult for banks to uh, buy the same sorts of things, so farm and ranch mortgages, things like that, um, and get the same sorts of returns because they have higher expenses. Um, and PharmaMac does have fairly low funding costs. Mm-hmm. So it has higher funding costs than some banks because they get it from depositors, but it has low funding costs because its bonds trade at a pretty small spread over U.S. Treasuries. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Is the company overlooked, do you think? Uh, they think that it's overlooked. Management thinks it's overlooked. Um, I don't know that... Uh, I mean, it's not overlooked by our standards, but yeah. it is overlooked for a billion-dollar company, yeah. Yeah, We. I spoke to uh, the management, and he said that he disagreed with your yeah. assessment that the company's not overlooked. Yeah, but, and, and of probably, course, but I just said that our version, our view of what's overlooked probably is different. I mean, for him, yeah, he was essentially I, saying that I think our company's undervalued. Yeah, and I think that they are overlooked. Uh, I think they are overlooked generally. Yeah, yeah. no, that's true. I mean, I don't think they are overlooked enough for us to buy them. Yeah, uh, but I think they're overlooked in that they only have a couple analysts cover them. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't get nearly as much attention as other financial institutions. I don't know why people don't follow it more. Um, I'm surprised by how cheap the stock is and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. I mean, it's a hard time for for agriculture right now. That's probably why. Yeah. yeah, but well, I don't know. The stock has not ever been that expensive. I mean, it hasn't been that expensive, at least since the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had trouble in the financial crisis, but that wasn't related to its um, it was, core business. It was, it was, was just what it bought. Yeah. yeah. It, it bought some securities that had problems. Um, and that's not unusual. I know of a couple other companies that had the same exact problem where they their core business was perfectly fine, but they they bought, and this is a previous management of yeah. Farmer Mac. It's mm-hmm. not the current management. They bought uh, some things that were related to like Lehman and stuff like that yeah. for the yield. And I know other companies that did the same thing. So that obviously causes problems for a leveraged institution. Plenty of banks got in trouble by doing that kind of thing. So, um, But their core business worked out fine. The, the amount of write-offs in um, farm mortgages is incredibly low, very, very low. Agricultural lending generally has pretty low. Uh, write-offs but the issue is that once in a while you get a big bubble or something and that's what i wrote about in the um in that write-up i think i said if you had like a repeat of the 80s that would be the problem but absent that you don't have a problem i think it's a good stock although i would warn people you have to watch for a bubble and i would say to sell it i mean the company will of course want to weather it and and do well by shareholders by you know um by being run in the you know the safest way possible Mm -hmm. but we can't count on that, I would say. You can't count on investing in anything, whether it's Freddie or Fannie in a housing bubble or sure. Farmer Mac in a farm bubble. So you would want to avoid that. There's no sign of a farm bubble at all right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a sign that income for farmers is rough right now. But that doesn't worry me that much. Um, uh, I'm really not worried about their income ability to to uh, pay mortgages and things. In the long run, what I worry more about is just too much debt relative to the productive capacity of the farms and stuff. So that usually comes with a land bubble. So, sure. you know, a big buildup in debt to assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And then how did you come across that company originally? Uh, I think it was on the screen. Got it. Yeah, it was a screen for yeah, like um, company that companies that had screen. few analysts. Yeah. Cool. Okay, next uh, stock that's on here, uh, NACO, which we've hit. Yeah, we've done that's that the only times we need to talk about that. Service Master. Oh, which was NACO a should mention there was a podcast I did. 
There was. Go yeah. to Intelligent Investing. Is that was it <laughs> Intelligent the Investor Podcast? Yeah, Intelligent yeah. Investor Podcast. Yeah. Um, I did tweet it out a bunch, but yeah, just type in Intelligent Investor, and you'll see that um, yeah, you can be with a gentleman Eric, named yeah. Eric. Yep, yeah. and it's a great podcast where you talked about NACO. Yeah, and I was actually on that one. People may not know that I was on one of the early episodes that he did. Yeah, very early. So yeah. if you go back to almost like the beginning of the podcast or dozens of episodes ago. yeah i was on it like a couple years ago i guess yeah, probably like two years ago um but i did a podcast all about naco so we've done a podcast on naco but that's a more recent one yeah and this write-up on naco wasn't by either one of us it was by no, somebody else and i thought it was actually pretty good yeah it was a very good write about naco and it wasn't by me no. yeah okay service master which was a spinoff play yes so service master is a spinoff um and the big business with Service Master is uh, Terminex. Yep. So the other this thing they spawn off is Front Door, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting business in its own right. Something that people should look at. But the remaining company is Service Master, which is basically Terminex. Yes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so uh, termites <laughs> and ants. And yeah. And, all that sort and of roaches stuff. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their their biggest business is termites. Yeah. Pretty popular um, here in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> their their competitor is um a publicly traded one of their biggest competitors is a publicly traded company called Rollins, the which is Orchid. Behemoth. Yeah. Orchid. If you look at like that company, I mean mm-hmm. we did that when we looked looked at the company like what a year ago. Yeah. And it's compounded at yeah. north of twenty percent over the past 10, 15. Where I know it's a yeah. very like phenomenal. Well. I uh, in the uh about tw- a little less than twenty years ago I looked at the stock. Yeah. And decided not to buy it. Yeah. Thought it was a little expensive or whatever. Well, uh-huh. I should have bought it. Those are the worst, uh, isn't it? <laughs> when you miss out because you think yeah, it's well that one's compounded for and it just stays time, expensive yeah. forever, mm-hmm. but just continues. To yeah, well, it's pretty much has. Um, so yeah, it's a good, it's a good business that way. Um, the retention rates are pretty high. The termite business I don't think is as good a business as um, uh, pest control for other things um, like roaches and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not as good that way, but it's still good and. Um, and the and I think the residential is not necessarily as good as commercial. The the best business is usually in that is I think doing a commercial business for pest control. So you know uh, all sorts of companies need it, but especially things that can be um, apartment buildings, mm-hmm. um, hotels, restaurants will pay a lot sure. for constant. Um, uh, uh, you know, quarterly or monthly or whatever sure, yeah. uh, type billing and uh, aren't that price sensitive and have very high retention rates and things like that. And mm-hmm. so Terminix is in that same industry. It's real the part that's really big in, I think it's not quite as good a business. Um, and it acquires a bunch of companies like any of these do, um, but has very high retention rates. The problem is very high customer acquisition costs. Um, it's not really a very big growth business, but it's definitely something that at a good price you would want to buy. Sure. Yeah. It's what about Front Door? Well- Front Door is a company I find very interesting. Yeah. I think people should look at. So um, I had written up, if you go to the Focus Compounding website for premium members, they can read uh, a report I did on a company called HomeServe, which is a UK company, although big now in the US. You do that for singular diligence. For singular diligence, yeah. yeah. And also as a business in France and some other countries that is pretty big. But the UK was originally where it started out. And um, it has some similarities to Front Door. So Front Door does... Um, basically insurance on your appliances and stuff. So it's repair insurance. Mm-hmm. And what it is is like um, you'll have, uh, you know, you pay a certain amount. So let's say you pay $50 a month or something, you add on to something. And then in addition to that, 
um, you pay a, a flat service fee every time that someone comes to fix things yeah. for you, but you don't pay anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. So you pick a plan like that. So let's say you pick something where it's like $50 a month or whatever and like $100 for a service fee, or you could do the one where it's $200 for a service fee and then it's $30 a month yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And um, then they come and they repair your appliances, but you don't pay for it. So like if you have your air conditioning unit, your condenser or whatever um, breaks down, you don't pay the whatever that would be, hundreds or thousands of dollars. Um, to fix it, you just pay um, for the service fee plus your premiums. So that's how it works. So it's basically an insurance company that way. However, it doesn't behave like an insurance company because it's a repair company. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people don't think of it as an insurance company. I don't think it ever really likes to call itself an insurance company, but it has insurance risk the same as anyone else would. Um, the economies of scale and that kind of business are great. Sure. Because you have the repair people that you want to be working for you, and what they want is to be utilized full time, right? So they want to get like 40 hours of work. They don't want to get 10 hours of work. And if they're working on their own, they can't be guaranteed that they will get enough uh, work, right? So you can afford to pay lower prices for repair people um, per hour if you use them for all those hours, and you can afford to have a better network in the place. So there's just economies of scale on that side of it in addition to the marketing side of it. They're very big. They're much bigger than any of their competitors. Um, maybe the name that people would recognize most is American Home Shield. Yeah. That might be the Which one is that they would hear. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they advertise on TV, although a lot more advertising on the internet lately. But yeah, TV I think everyone would recognize American yeah. Home Shield. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, tailored Brands. T-R-R-D. Yeah. So that's Men's Warehouse. Yep. Yeah, it's Men's Warehouse and Joseph A. Bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's a retailer. It's the biggest in its industry by far. Caught in the middle of a retail apocalypse. Yes. Uh, that's the name of the title. Yes, it's very, very cheap stock. Uh, very, very yeah, leveraged. PE of though. three. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the PE is very low. The EVD but, uh, is also low. But the PE is very, very low because it's incredibly leveraged. Um, so, yeah. Um, and the risks that people see are obviously changes in uh, apparel things. We're not doing this uh, recording in suits. Um, and uh, in addition to that, you have... We're in Texas. We don't wear suits every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in addition to that, you have um, the, the retail stuff that people are afraid of things going online. Sure. And all that. Yeah. Um, I also... I It's interesting. Um, Quan and I, who did Singular Diligence, were very interested in um, men's warehouse before... Uh, the men's warehouse Joseph A. Bank thing happened. So what happened with those two companies is uh, one went to buy the uh, – so first men's warehouse got rid of their founder. Yeah. Yeah. Then men's warehouse and Joseph A. Bank were looking at buying each other. One was going to buy the other one. Then the other one was going to buy them. It was a big thing. And um, we we decided not to write about it once they agreed to do that merger uh, because of um, – uh, we didn't like the Joseph A. Bank side of things as much. Although Wall Street liked them a lot more. Mm-hmm. They had a sales practice we weren't that fond of. Which was? Uh, which is actually the image for that one, and, and the author goes into a lot of detail about it. But, yeah. uh, I mean, it's a joke image that they say, buy one, get seven free or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, it would be like, buy one suit, get two free. Yeah. And instead of marking their suits down to uh, discount sort of thing that most discount um, men's uh, – uh, formal wear places would sell for. So like there's a men's formal wear thing over um, not far from where I live. And uh, they just would have constantly low prices of whatever. Let's say they would sell a suit for $200 or whatever. Well, Joseph Bank would sell that same suit for $600 and give you two other suits. Sure, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and they'd sell other things too and, yeah. and, and uh, all of that. But 
and there was heavy promotion, a lot of advertising to tell you each weekend this will be the only weekend that this will be happening. Yeah, they're always is, having a sale. Right, which is true. Every weekend they have a Always. Yeah. You can walk in there right now and buy like three suits for yeah. 50% off. And yeah. so there were some concerns about that because I think Men's Warehouse was saying, well, once we integrate this into us, we'll be able to change some things about it and stuff. And they, I've heard that so many times with different retailers. If you, I don't know if you've been to like JCPenney or something, but JCPenney has uh, a model that every basically everything in the store is on sale all the time, mm-hmm. right? And so you look and you go, wait, this w- thing was once listed at $90 or something. No one sells this for $90. Yeah. But then you're actually buying it for $30. That's their thing. But then different things are on sale at different times. And, you know, they want to give this bargain-type atmosphere. Well, it's it. kind of like um, when Ackman invests in them. He said that with them, um, instead of, like, receiving the coupons and just marking things down, mm-hmm. people actually liked receiving the coupons and feeling like they were getting a deal and going yes. into the store and doing that. that yeah. kind of like – he said it was, like, an interesting psychological – Right study, if yeah, you will, and I think Ackman didn't think understand that. the J.C. Penny shopper. Yeah, no, but we've that's talked exactly about that before, it. where you have to do that, where you have to understand whether it's customers, suppliers, whatever. You have to understand why they're doing what they're doing, yeah. even if you don't think that that makes a lot of I sense. I mean, use example, even if you don't like Starbucks, you still right. want to understand why do people like Starbucks and what keeps bringing them back. Yeah. And yeah. if you spend a lot of time at a J.C. Penny, you'd realize that people are really into that. Yeah, sure. Um, they feel like they're getting a bargain. That's right. It's like exciting. So you know. I just wasn't sure um, when they were putting the two companies together if the sort of approach that they had would work uh, or if they'd lose some sales for a while. Mm-hmm. They lost some sales for a while. What so do you think about... They've, they've righted that ship, I think. But yeah. their same store sales at that chain were declining for quite a while. And I think part of it is the difficulty of trying to make those sorts of changes. I think it's very hard to change your strategy there, your sales strategy. Yeah. Where do you think society's going, though, with, like, dressing and suits and stuff? I mean, because Goldman right. Sachs is now doing business casual. Yeah, so that's you know? true. So it's kind of interesting to think about that, yeah. Yeah, and that's the one you were talking about um, uh, in your What's on Andrew's Mind thing. You talked about, uh, what was it, twaddle tendency? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you read about anything about it, about um, go to Corner of Berkshire and Fairfax to read about the – uh, men's warehouse that you know yeah. tailor brands uh or anywhere that you could talk to people about it all they'll talk to you about is the well this is what I, where i work now people are wearing less suits or whatever which may be true but remember for the statistics on this you need to know whether the number of stores selling suits has been going up or down mm, sure you know that's the problem like um we're investing in a coal company what people don't realize is that coal power plant utilization um has gone up sure because they've closed plants even faster than they've reduced the amount of yeah. power that's been generated by uh-huh. coal. So the same thing can happen in an industry like this, you know, um, for years, I mean, GameStop is something we talked about on this podcast once before. And, uh, eventually that became a really big problem and the stock has had trouble and everything. But for a long time, people were saying, well, won't this decline and everything? Yeah. But the competitors were going, were being gobbled up or going out of business at an even mm-hmm. faster rate. The number of places selling things, um, I invested in Barnes and Noble a very long time ago, and what people would be shocked by is how quickly the amount of retailers that were dedicating shelf space to books were decreasing it so much that even though book sales of printed books were going down each they year, increase them. Yeah, well, people share. forgot that you know in the '90s and stuff, a grocery store would be having you know little carousels and things of books. Uh, Walmart had a section of books that was pretty big. Now it's a little section that's barely anything. Sure. You know, yeah. And you have to think about that with this. Will there be any market for suits and things? They have what a few hundred stores or whatever in different places. You know, like think about Texas or something. Okay, well, how many stores do they have in Texas versus the population? Is that make a lot of sense? Um, yeah, and they have a rental business for suits and things like that. So, it, yeah, over time, it's definitely declining. There's no doubt about that. 
Games Workshop. Games Workshop is um, Warhammer. Yep. Ticker uh, G-A-W. Yeah. Warhammer 40,000 is their big thing. This is one of the widest smoke companies I've ever seen. How big is the company? Uh, I don't know. Billion now or something? And, and you consider it overlooked because it's an international company or what? I don't consider it uh, cheap. Trades in certainly. London. Yeah. Um, no, it was overlooked at one time. I don't think it's overlooked anymore. The stock has gone up in a tremendous amount recently. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. In the last few years, it's gone up. Um, the company's always had a really big moat because it's the biggest, um, I guess you would say it's the biggest miniatures wargaming company. Um, so people paint these models and use them. Um, and it's much, much bigger than any of its competitors. Uh, in fact, you know, and so it's a system that you would have to, the IP and everything is a system of the world that you play in and the rules that you play with and stuff. Um, I don't know for the general public, what you can compare it to maybe people because they watch stranger things or something are familiar with like dungeons and dragons. Sure. Yeah. It's not like that, but in terms of the moat and stuff, it does make sense because people would be knowing the rules and playing and things like that Uh together would make sense to them that dungeons and dragons became a really big thing. And not all of their competitors necessarily became that big. Uh, same sort of thing here. It, it's it's a network effects that it has because of that. Um, so yeah, huge moat. Uh, not a cheap stock anymore though. It might still be a good stock because it could grow really really fast. It's a good one for people to study. Yeah, they had a CEO who ran it for a very long time, and I think didn't uh, wasn't interested in putting out new content. Wasn't interested in doing a lot more other than raising the price a little and and not doing the things that you needed to do to grow the business over time and they have a new ceo not new to the company or anything but new to running things uh who started changing things maybe three years ago or something and i think the effects of that have been huge and you mm-hmm. can see that in the stock price though it used to be sometimes a reasonable very stock and now it's very expensive but yeah. it could grow very fast yeah it's and it has incredible returns on capital and like i said it's definitely in terms of an entertainment capital like compounder yeah, in terms of entertainment, and it has a policy of paying out all surplus cash flow. That uh, so anything that it thinks is a truly free cash flow, yeah. it always pays out in dividend. Nice. There's no regular dividend or anything. It's always had that policy as far back as I can remember. So you know, if it produces double the free cash flow this year as last year, it'll pay it all out. But if it decides to do a lot of capex and whatever, then it'll drop the dividend. Yeah, uh, and I noticed that they were doing a whole thing where they're expanding with a much larger location at their central location and stuff in terms of what they can manufacture and stuff like that. That's a pretty big sign that they're confident that they're going to, you know, grow and continue, continue to grow, grow. Mm-hmm. in the next few years. Yeah. United plantations. This is the last one we we'll chat about today. Yeah. Yeah. Palm oil. Yeah. What do you think about so, that company? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think that, you know, you'd have to learn about that commodity and everything, but it's, that's has the potential to be a double digit return on equity thing over a long period of time. Very, very long period of time. It's an incredibly, uh, it's an old company Yeah, and you know, all those companies are pretty old. Um, very durable, that sort of thing, I would think. Although I'm sure that some people, for health reasons or whatever, will say there's a discussion of it in there about whether people have health issues and environmental issues with palm oil. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't think like suit. I would bet more on palm oil continuing than suits. Yeah, interesting. Overlook stock, you think? Yes, definitely. Well, you know, uh, any stocks that are listed in countries like that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Cool. Well, those were all the stocks that are currently listed on uh, the Gazette. If you do want to get access to that, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. Mm-hmm. 
and Jeff does put up ideas there as well. And what I'll do is I'll also put that in the show notes so you could uh, check right. that out and, and I will uh, link to all that. And then tell them a little bit about the uh, weekly email that goes out. Yeah, so the weekly email goes out. You'll get it Monday and um, you just have to sign up by giving us your email. And then on Mondays, you'll get an email that will start with 10 overlooked stocks. Then we'll have a- Like a current report. watch list. Yes. Yep. Uh, current watch list and then it will have and those are all very overlooked they're stocks that i would consider buying and stuff yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and then after that i'd say most of the names on it people have never heard of right no. what do you think absolutely yeah. okay yeah <laughs> maybe very if you few. listen to this very podcast few. Have yeah. heard of it. but sure. the general public nothing in there is going to appear in barons yeah. or something mm-hmm. so um and then uh then you get a write-up of 2000 words about some stock you just heard, but what six of them or whatever were. Um, and then, uh, and then you get what's on Andrew's mind. That's right. Get yeah. What's on Andrew's mind. So which can include links to things and yeah, you know, just stuff that I think is interesting. Yeah. Articles, whatever. So, uh, be sure to definitely check that out. Add yourself to that email list and you'll get that in your inbox. Oh, every that's single the only one. thing you'll get by the way. Yeah. Yeah. If people were wondering what yeah. the email that's all you get. It's just, it's a list for being on the focus coming is that list. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So perfect. And be sure to, um, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to YouTube. I think we're doing okay with YouTube. You're not hiding. Uh, hiding you can, you could actually see you in the microphone for and the past. I'm using water, I guess. People, Don't have the keg cup out. Concerned I was drinking. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we want to thank everybody for coming over to YouTube. If you are watching us over here, we're growing and we're getting better and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll continue to get better. Just like we've done since the beginning. We can't even listen to the first couple of podcasts. At least I can't. I can listen. <laughs> I can't. I can't listen to it. So I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with us. We'll see you in the next podcast. Take care. Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock right up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. Thanks for listening.